0: The series I'm starting today is, is called We Are the Church. Um, how many of you know you were never called to attend church? Jesus looked at the disciples and said, Who do you say who do they say I am? And their response was, Well, some say the prophet Elijah, some say the you know this and that, and they come up with all these things, and Peter stands up and boldly proclaims, You are the Christ, you're the Son of the Living God. And that's when Jesus responded with, God revealed that to you. Your name is Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Doesn't sound like a building. It sounds like Jesus called us to become a people that says on the rock of Christ's name, he's going to build his church. So Jesus is going to build his church. We do a lot of things to try to attract people. But here's, here's a tip, and it, and it was really freeing as a pastor to understand, is I don't have to build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so all i got to do is be obedient to him, and he'll take care of the rest. He'll decide the size. He'll decide what we can handle. He'll decide who we can love. He'll decide everything else. I don't have to. I just need to put my best foot forward and do what God calls me to do. Jesus didn't die on a cross so we could gather once a week for an hour. That would have been foolishness. I mean, think... You guys might not have my weird mind, but I'm thinking about this, and I've really been praying over this series that God will take and touch every one of us where we're at and open our minds to what he said. Jesus says... I've called you to be the church. I haven't called you to attend a place. And let me tell you, because of our culture and how we do this, I've been, I'm kind of a word freak, and I've been trying to say, you know, when people ask this, and if somebody comes up and asks you this question, where's the church in this town? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? What religion? Where's the building at? What type of church you're looking for? And we go back to New Testament church, and Jesus says, I'm living in you. You're the church. Jesus said, I've called you to make disciples. Because disciples won't be made in a building. They'll be made in real life, in everyday life. And so as I pray over this, and we start to follow Jesus and become the church that he's called us to be, I understand that some of you this morning here are just checking this Jesus stuff out. You're just checking the church out. You know, what kind of, you know, what kind of church is this? Because that's how we grew up. I'm going to go check this church out. Now I'm going to go check these people out. Now if I walked into a church thinking that, how would it differ my mindset? I'm gonna go check the people out who are to church, not I'm gonna go check their building out. Because there are people who have a hard time understanding that you can do church in a gymnasium in an elementary school. Don't have to have stained glass windows. Don't have to have big steeples. I can go to Sean's house and have church. Last Sunday evening, we got together for the Super Bowl party. We had church. Jesus likes football. See? Just, yeah, just not the Patriots. It's okay. Um, okay, I'm so, that's Facebook. Uh, yeah, I'm going to so good responses on that one. Um, joking. Uh, but <laughs> you can't have fun in Christianity. You're doing something wrong. I'm sorry. This is just the funnest life ever, because if you think of some of the things Jesus did, dude showed up through walls to meet with his disciples. How many of you guys think that's normal? You all be freaking out. Jesus come walking out on water. You all be thinking like the disciples did. It's a ghost. And Jesus is like, nah, dude, it's just me. And then what did he do? Told Peter to step out the boat. Having fun with Jesus is what he does church should not be a humdrum normal thing it should be a place when people walk in they feel an excitement that they can't find anywhere else because the funny part of the church jesus was building is it's supposed to be a social gathering mark batterson made a statement when we were at our conference a few weeks ago the reason they bought a coffee house was because where did people in the old testament and bible times meet around wells, around watering holes. What's a coffee shop? It's a modern-day well. That was his thought process that he got from God of why to buy a coffee shop. They've been voted a few times the best coffee shop in Washington DC. They are touching people's lives just being the church. And so, again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking through this series, and I'm giving you an overview, basically, of the series this morning, of where we're going to go with it. Next week, we're going to talk about the DNA of the church. And our DNA, we all know our DNA is given to us from our parents, right? That's not an argument point? Okay, our DNA means if we get it from our father, who's our father? God. The DNA of the church is Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that next week and look at scripture that that points to that. And then the third week, we're going to talk about the mission of the church. Who are we called to be? Jesus said, seek and save the lost. And so we're going to talk about the mission of the church and who we are as a church and who God's challenging us to be. Because not only is it fun following Jesus, it's uncomfortable to follow Jesus. Because he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. And so he's constantly challenging us to grow, to become. Because that as parents is what we do to our kids, right? We challenge them with stuff so they have to grow. And so it's, it's fun because then we can get, guess what? How excited do you get when your kids reach something that they, you never, they didn't think they could but you knew they would get to? You're all excited about it, ain't you? How do you think your Heavenly Father looks at you when he makes you uncomfortable And you step out and share with somebody, how excited do you think that that makes him as your father? Because in your mind, it's like, I could never share my faith. I don't know enough scripture. You know Jesus. That's all the scripture you need. And so we just share, and we have fun. I'm not asking anybody who's watching online, who's listening during the week to this, or who's here this morning, to make a decision today to follow Jesus. I'm truly not. Because I want you to know who Jesus is. Because Jesus is a transformational power that you've never felt in your life when you surrender to Him. And Jesus doesn't want you to just put your big toe in the water, He wants you to dive in. So check it out. Please, you're welcome with questions here. Because Jesus doesn't shy away from the questions, He draws you close reading this book right now called Whisper, How to Hear God's Voice. Do you all know why God whispers? Because what happens when I whisper? You have to get a little closer, don't you hear me? He wants an intimate relationship with you, so he whispers to draw you close. Think of it as parents. How many of you guys whisper to your kids so they can get closer to you so you can grab them and give them a hug? (laughs) That's what the Father does. That's who he's called us to be, is to be in that relationship with him so we can go out and then share his whisper with the world. Some of you this morning are ready to take that next step. You're just ready to dive in with Jesus. Do it. Stop being afraid of it. It is the greatest life ever. I've lived both sides. And I have more fun today than I ever did before. Partially because I don't have to worry about getting in trouble. The fun I used to have, I always had to look over my shoulder to see if I was going to get in trouble from someone. Now I can just have fun. I look over my shoulder to bring somebody with me. The church is called to be a body. If you want some scripture for this morning, we're going to sorry, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 12: 12, 12 through 27. My dog decided to eat my Bible, so he wanted to feed on the word. So it take me just a second to get there while you guys are looking it up. Anybody need a Bible? I should have asked that. Are you all good? We got some to share. 12, 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. I'm going to read out of the NASB this morning. And it says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ." For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it, it is not for this reason any less a body part. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need here, need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... It is so much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. I love that verse. How many of you guys don't think you're necessary in the church? Jesus just said, you're more important. I just, I I, I love God's word. And those members of the body which deem themselves less honorable, on these he bestows, bestows more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to, the, to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you our Christ's body, and individually, you're members of it. We've had, as a church, an emotional couple of weeks. Why? Because one of our members was hurting. And I can guarantee there are a lot of people here who hurt with them. Why? Because we're a family. Because we care about every person who walks through this door, honestly. And we want to walk through life with you. That's the name of our church. Bridges connect things. And we want to connect with people and bring them to Jesus, who's the ultimate comforter of everything we walk through. We've prayed together this week. We've laughed together. We've cried together. It's what we do. Because God says, guess what? You may be different. You may think you're less honorable than someone else. But ultimately, you're just as important so so that's why I said this morning when I started you aren't here by accident because God's putting his body together and everyone is important in the body we don't get to decide what part of the body we are I know that's hard some of us want to be that less honorable member that can hide in the background and not do nothing. That's not who God created you to be, maybe. As we sang this morning, I am who you say I am, not who I think I am. You may think you should be out in front of people, and God said, no, you shouldn't. I did not pl- pick just to be blatantly honest with you I did not pick to become a pastor I fought it for a while I used to play bass on a worship team and I loved playing bass because I could hide I had no mic nothing else in front of me my bass guitar to hide behind and I could just worship I would love and I told people I would prefer to stand in a back room if you could make me wireless so nobody could see me worshiping God called me to what I'm doing It's why I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And God has called you to something. And we want to help you find that. Because you have a purpose. You have a reason. Church isn't something we do. It's who we are. I want you to think for a moment back to when Jesus called his disciples. How many of you would pick... Peter, Matthew, James, any of those guys to be your first people to help plant a church and put them on a church planting team. These guys are equivalent of longshoremen today. Okay? They weren't the business guys that could put a business plan together to start a church. But this is who Jesus picked to start his church. The very people nobody thought was worth it. Why did he do that? I truly believe to give us hope. Because many of us walk through life and have certain times of life we feel like that we're not worth it. And Jesus says that's exactly what qualifies you. It's not because you have the best business plan. And we do that nowadays when we plant churches and we do things, we look for just the right people, don't we? Maybe you guys don't, but I worked on Planet Church. I was, did a lot of praying over people. And God, who do you want to bring alongside? And we could do a lot of things. The big idea as we go through this three-week series is what's our purpose? Why do we meet as a church? And it's not for us us coming together on Sunday morning isn't about us. It's about us ministering back to God. We come in to worship God. We come in to hear from God. We come in to get fed by each other. And then we go out and we feed. We don't keep it to ourselves. We share it with those around us. And even some of those who don't want to hear us. We just share it. Why? Because... I don't believe there's ever been a time in history that we need hope, that we need right now. You look at statistics, the division, the infighting, everything going on. We need hope. We need a unifier. We need somebody who can bring us together. Now, do I have all the answers? No. Jesus does. Paul explained in the passages we just read, in the body of Christ, everyone has a role and no role is too small. I want to read a quick illustration on that. And I think it's funny. You guys might not, but I did. One Sunday morning, the pastor was trying to move his congregation from being spectators to becoming participants in the ministry of the kingdom. He had prayed all week that the Lord would open the eyes of all those who called the church home. The pastor knew that he had been given a word from the Lord and he was chomping at the bit to deliver the word. His passion exuded from his voice as he told the congregation, with God's help, we can see the day when the church will go from crawling to walking. How many guys get excited about that? We're starting to grow. Coming from a baby, we're crawling now. We're starting to walk. You guys excited about that a little bit? Okay. Sweet. You're on me. You're with me then, you're hearing me. The church he said, let the church walk. Oh, yeah, the people are excited. The Lord has answered my prayer. They're getting into it, the pastor thought to himself as he rolled into his next sentence. And when the church begins to walk, the next thing will happen the church will begin to run. Y'all ready to start running? Not so much yet. Okay, um, okay we won't, we won't, we'll start with a jog. I'm not a runner, so I totally get it. We don't want to run quite yet. And the pastor was beside himself. He's excited, and he said, and finally the church can move from running to finally beginning to soar. You can soar as a church, he's saying. And the people are psyched. And then he says this statement. But of course, that's going to take commitment. All of us, have got to make a commitment to make that happen. The congregation grew quiet, deathly quiet. And from the back of the small church, someone mumbled, let the church crawl, pastor. Let it crawl. Sadly, that has happened in a lot of churches. We want to get to the point to where all we do is love Jesus and love people with Jesus loving, us, loving them through us. Some of you this morning are thinking, how can God use me? Let him try. Just let him do it. Don't fight it. If God can use a former alcoholic abusive jerk to spread his gospel, there ain't one of you here Who can say you're unqualified because it's Jesus who qualifies you his death on the cross he made a statement that's still reverberating through history of it is done what does that mean for you when you came to Christ all the mistakes you made were done he redeemed you. So to end off this morning, I'm just going to give three quick points to finish the overview of where we're headed. Three things it means. Our salvation, why we were created. The first point is we were created to serve. As a church. As people, that's who God called us to be. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand. Okay, So God already knew the works he had for you before you were even born, and before you knew what your plans were, Jesus had plans. Now understand, God's plans for you, you may derail them, but he never let them go. He still has plans for you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you think of yourself. God still has a plan and he still has a purpose for your life. And that purpose and plan is to serve others. Because Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost, to serve and not be served. Jesus, again, did not die on a cross so we could get together for an hour a week. He, got, he died on the cross to forgive me for my sins so I can proclaim that love to everyone I come in contact with. I need to serve to do that. So why am I here at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings? Because I get to hang out with some awesome guys, quite honestly. It has nothing to do with anything. Other- We're called to serve. The second thing Jesus did was he saved us to serve. It is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. Seeing a kind of constant theme here, that was 2 Timothy 1.9. So I just not used one scripture. I just gave two scriptures why how God knew you beforehand. There's a bunch of them if you want to look them up. If you want to use Google for something good, <laughs> Google how many times like beforehand is in your Bible. He'll give you a bunch of them because God knew you before you were born. He formed you in his in your mother's womb. I mean, you look throughout Scripture and God says, guess what? You're planned. The motive for serving is love. Paul said, serve one another in love. This is an important key to building community. That's 1 Corinthians 13 3. It says, No matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt with love. That's how it says it in the message version. How many of you guys this morning are bankrupt with love? That's okay. You can respond. It's just some good preaching. It's okay to say an amen or something once in a while. God is far more interested in why you do something than the outcome of how it turns out. I love that thought process. Why could God look at David and say David was a man after his own heart? Was it because he committed adultery? How about because he killed a dude? How about it's because he numbered Israel when God told him not to? David's heart was always after God. His outcome motives weren't always the best. And that gives a dude like me grace and love and excitement that God can use someone like me. The third and final one is you've been called to serve. So you were created to serve, you were saved to serve, and then he calls us to serve. John 13, 5 says, Then he poured water out into the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which was He was girded. It's something that's gone along the wayside in a lot of churches. They used to do them years ago, foot washing ceremonies. Where in that time, that was was the job of the servant, and usually the lowest servant in the household, was to wash the feet of the people who came in. Jesus chose to stand up, remove his cloak, put a towel around his waist, and said, I'm going to wash your feet. Now, Peter, being the awesome guy that he is, says, not just my feet, my whole body, Jesus. <laughs> I just love that dude. Because he reminds me of me. I just shoot off at the mouth before my brain engages. Okay, enough from the, from the family gallery over there. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus said, once you've been washed by me, you're clean. Don't think of it an outward washing. Think of it an in inside cleansing that comes out. We will never truly know the outcome of our service to others. That's the hard part of serving. Is we don't know what's going to happen with it. But as we love and we reach out to people around us, remember that it is because Jesus first loved us that we can love others. It's not because anything we can do, we can't earn love. As Sean said this morning, it doesn't matter. You can't stop God from loving you. And that's the the flip side of that is you can't do anything to earn it. It's done is what Jesus said. I must always keep the why of what I'm doing in front of me serving others. As if I was serving Jesus himself. We t- I've talked about this with a lot of people. When you go to work, do you look at your work like you're serving Jesus at your job? It changes your mindset of going to work. How many of you guys this morning, teenagers excluded from this question, said, I have to go to church this morning? I know none of you guys want to raise your hands, it's all good. How many of you guys came in here, I get to go to church this morning? I get to go hang out with my family. And I'm the crazy uncle, so I'm good with that. Exactly, when we start saying I get to go to work, it means God's blessed me with the ability to do my job, so I get to go serve some other people and love other people that may not know the love of Christ today. I don't know if they'll know him after they meet me, but they're definitely going to be loved when I meet them in my job. Why? Because I get to show him to everyone I come in contact with. By the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us, he puts into action the love that we can't share. Because if you're honest, there are people who annoy you. If you're, if you're not willing to say that, we have, we'll have a prayer time at the end for liars. Because there are people who annoy you. <laughs> I can't love everyone. I know me. There are days my spouse... I can't like her but she never gets an option on whether or not I love her because God showed me love and that's the love I show others can we live our lives like that as the church when we leave here something I want you to think about this morning as we wrap up is we, we will learn to love and care for people no matter what the return is as we become the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world since I truly believe Jesus loves me and that he laid his life down for my sake, I must be willing to walk that faith out so people can see it. If I'm not willing to walk it out, then I truly haven't met Jesus yet. That's a hard pill that I had to swallow. Because if I believe God dies and loves everyone, how dare I keep it to myself? Because that's not what he died for. He didn't die for me. He died for everyone. And I just want everyone to know that hope. Every Christian, the moment you became a Christian, you were called to serve. And where that body is, he already has a plan for it. He already has a purpose for it. And it's to fulfill his mission, which is that all may come to the knowledge of him. And that's why we do church. And I say that not about Our meeting right now but why we got together at someone's house and did a Super Bowl party why we'll get together next weekend and do men's breakfast why we'll get together and do a game night with youth because when we do life together we become the church God called us to be and we now change a generation and we change the world around us because we love Jesus